0: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're true. You'll be set for life. So now they can make their own sacrifices and their own choices to serve the Lord God however the Lord God wanted them to do it. They're like, now they can do it. So this people, the Israelites, they had been held captive for 70 years by the Babylonians. This is unheard of. To get a letter like this. Yes, go do everything. We'll pay for it. We'll give you everything. To get a letter like this from the king, from the man who had the top office of the entire known world at that time. You think this just happened to fall out like this? God made this happen for his people. I'm telling you, Christian, if you give your life to Jesus, God can move heaven and earth, everything, to help you accomplish the will that he has called you to do. You don't need to worry, how am I going to do it? Preparing your heart to read the word, do what it says, and let God do the rest, okay? He made King Artaxerxes fork it over, all of it. Oh, I could I was really about to roll. Mm. Ezra seven twenty-one. And I, even I, look, look how he's wording it. Even I. He, he, you know, people ain't gonna believe that King Artaxerxes said this. So he's saying, Even I <laughs> Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes the king, issue a decree to all the treasurers who are in the region beyond the river, that whatever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, may require of you. Let it be done diligently up to 100 talents of silver, 100 cores of wheat, 100 baths of wine, 100 baths of oil and salt without prescribed limit. Whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently be done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Okay. What did he mean by that? Why should there be trouble for us? Uh, Let me explain. We saw King Darius do this very same thing. He had something he wanted out of it, too. Okay? And it was something political. When you talk politics in the United States of America, everybody's ears go boink because they want to talk politics. That's what everybody loves politics. I don't, but everybody seems to for some reason. Okay? He wanted something political. The kings of an uh, of an empire this big, they would do anything it took to keep uprisings and rebellions from popping up in their realm here and there, okay? Apparently, Artaxerxes, he was dealing with some kind of political pressure, and so he had this motivation for being so nice to the people of Israel, you can tell that he wanted to avoid wrath against the kingdom. He's like, give them everything they want, treasurers pay it. Whatever you need, you can have it, because apparently in his mind, he's thinking, I've got so much trouble, I want to make everything as smooth as I can. You know how every time we, uh, we elect a president of the United States, the whole country goes mad. Everybody fights. Okay, presidents hate that part, and they go in, everybody's all upset. This king's like, I don't want any more trouble than I already got. Give them whatever they need, okay? That's what he wanted out of the deal. Give them what they want, keep them happy. So now you can see how the Lord used political pressure or the threat of political pressure to motivate Artaxerxes to give the Israelites whatever they needed. See, the king's thinking political leadership, i got to manage stuff. So the Lord's like, okay, I'm going to use your realm to influence your mind to give them what they want. Isn't that nice how God can have that leadership even over kings? You could almost say that Artaxerxes was paying the Israelites to keep them quiet. I say whatever it takes to get the provision is whatever it takes, okay? God knows how to maneuver politicians to even give to believers so they can do his will. Like we just read in Ecclesiastes, uh, God gives the job of unbelievers, sinners, to do all the gathering, to give to those who are good before God. This is what's happening to Artaxerxes. He wasn't really a believer, but I, I don't want the trouble. Give them whatever they need. You see how God works? God is above politics. You know those people that love politics, but they don't like to talk about God? God's above even their politics. I don't know why they don't want to talk about it. Ezra seven twenty four. Also, we inform you that it shall not be lawful to impose tax, tribute, or custom on any of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, Nethanim, or servants of this house of God. And you, Ezra, according to your God-given wisdom, set magistrates and judges who may judge all the people who are in the region beyond the river, all such as know the laws of your God, and teach those who do not know them. That's important. Teach the ones that don't know. Verse 26, whoever will not observe the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be executed speedily on him, whether it be death or banishment or confiscation of goods or imprisonment. Okay, so here's a furtherance of Artaxerxes' intent on making sure things don't get out of hand. I don't want things going crazy. So he set Ezra... To administer justice to all the people in Israel, if they get out of hand, I give you the authority to deal with it. Y'all deal with it on your laws, but get it done quick. See, Artaxerxes is really, really driven, but that drive is going to give the people what they need, okay? Don't be afraid of those politics out there. They're very, very driven, but God is going to maneuver it the way he wants it to go for his plan, okay? Don't be afraid of that stuff. So Artaxerxes knew that their god had a law system that kept good order. So he said, go ahead and use the law of your god. Use that law for your people. And if anybody gets out of line, punish them quick. Uh, He wants Artaxerxes, I think, he just wants things to go smooth and quiet. Give them what they want. Let them use the law of their own god. So that ended the letter from the king. So now here's Ezra's response to that letter. Ezra 727. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart. (laughs) It's like, we made it all the way up to the top guy. To beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem, and has extended mercy to me before the king and his counselors, and before all the king's mighty princes. So I was encouraged as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered leading men of Israel to go up with me. Okay, he's got permission, he's going, we're in good shape. How in the (laughs) world, thank God he put it to the king. Such a thing as this. I think of that about salvation. Thank God I have such a thing as this. It's amazing. But Ezra's response, the way he, what he said, it shows how he had so much praise for God within him. That's why when we come in here, we praise the Lord God first. Give you a chance to get it out, you know. And then after you're done praising the Lord God, we give you a, another little round of it too, if you, you know, because you're like after hearing a good message, I got some more praise. Let me let it out of me. So you know, Ezra, he just he had it in him to get it out, and he called God as the God of what our fathers, the God of our fathers. By him saying this, Ezra was acknowledging the line his ancestors, a priest that had come before him. It was his understanding that the Lord had restored back to Israel the same line of priests who were responsible for doing the sacrifice work. Remember, we saw that ancestral line and Ezra saying, this is from the God of my fathers. The guys that were in the land before we were in captivity, that line is still here. He's excited. He's like, God, you promised this line would be here and it's still here. He's, he's glad that God makes a promise and keeps it. And he also knew that it was God's will for all of this wealth and all of this provision to be given to the Israelites because Ezra said that God put this in the king's heart. It's like the king didn't decide this. God put that there. God put that in the king's heart. Now, i had explained the political motivation for Artaxerxes The political trouble, the tension, that was what made Artaxerxes, in his mind, he wanted to make these decisions. But Ezra knew it was because God put it there. God put all this in place to get the king to make that decision in our favor. And gosh, guys, you know, that government out there looks all scary and they're saying crazy things and they're doing stupid stuff. I know it. I'm talking all the parties. I'm not picking on one. But God's directing everything. Don't let it get into your whatever. Don't let it bother you. God knows what he's doing. He's above them. So Ezra did not credit all this to King Artaxerxes. Oh, thank, thank the king. Oh, the king did all this. Oh, thank our president. Whatever. God guides even their minds. You gotta pray, guys. You gotta be in the Word of God. Don't get political with this. You're gonna run the wrong way. Then you're astray, then you're off in trouble like they were. He did not credit Artaxerxes. He gave credit to the Lord God Almighty because he knew who his provider was. Friends, the government is not your provider. Never has been. The Lord God provides for you. Don't get caught up in that cultural thinking that our government is going to have to give us what we need. Or we go after the government. I want it like this. And if I just get my guy in office, it'll fix it. All. No, God does it. No matter who's in office. Okay? Don't forget that. Now, this overall story of the Israelite tribe of Judah is, it has made a very long journey from when they ignored God to go serve false idols. They were dragged away 70 years, and they finally got humbled down enough to return and come back to God again, and that's when God brought them back and restored them with this provision. This is how God operates with those of us who turn our backs on him. We have all done the same thing. We are all the tribe of Judah here. We've done it. Forget you, God. I'm going to do it my way. Then we get in trouble because we hurt. And then we turn back. I'm sorry, God. And God goes, okay, let's restore you, but we're going to do it my way. 1 Peter 5 and 10. May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Oh, I love that blessing, but you take out that suffer part. Go ahead and take your pens and mark it out. I know some people want to do it. This is like what Judah had to do. We all have to learn how to endure suffering in such a way that God's grace can be seen in our lives. Now, a lot of people question, if God is so good and so all-powerful, then why is there suffering in the world? Why can't God just stop it? Why doesn't God just stop all the suffering? Their question assumes that God has to get rid of all suffering or else he can't be God. That's a wrong start off in the first place. First of all, we mankind, we're the ones that sinned and we're the ones that introduced evil by our own free will choice. So in saying that God has to eliminate all evil means that God has to eliminate us. Be careful. When you say, well, why did God just get rid of everything that's bad? Well, I guess you got to go too. Watch out. That's not fair. Be careful throwing around the word fair. If we got what was fair, you know where we'd be? We'd be in condemnation right now. Don't get careless with the word fair. So the fact that God allows us to live, (laughs) that's an act of mercy in itself. But when we do commit evil, God turns us over to suffering just like he did with the Israelites so that they would learn by the pain of experience that it's better to come back to the Lord again. And when we return back to him, that's when he restores us back from the lowliness that we fell into. Our suffering is what demonstrates God's love and mercy for us because without there being anything to compare it with, there'd be no way to understand how good God is to us. Remember, I didn't know how bad my eyesight was until I had that comparison moment. Boom. Oh, wow. Look at that. Doctors really are nice. But I had to suffer a while before I could get that perception. That's why we have suffering. We got to suffer a while. I had a renewed view about eye doctors from that suffering for a while. Now, friends, we have to go through suffering for a while to gain that comparison so that when God gives us his amazing restoration, then it opens our eyes to see how truly amazing God really is. Wow, I was like that all this time? I was so bad off I couldn't see? Now I can? God, you're so good. This is like a new world, 3D. I can see better now. you got to go through some time. Before you get that perspective, time of suffering, we'll see how great God is, and then we'll have a renewed understanding of who God is. God is not out to get you. He's out to save you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. It doesn't say God gives you a lot of stuff so that you can have a lot of things. So that you can run your air conditioner at 72 all the time and have a big flat screen TV and all the movies you want to watch and travel anywhere you want to go to on vacation and all that stuff. That's not what that means. He provides for you so that you can do good works for him. Remember he told, the, he told Ezra, give them everything he needs so they can do the will of their God. He didn't say give them what they want so they can be all, look at us. There's a purpose to it. But for the Israelites to get to this point, they first had to be retrained back up in the law, in God's word. They had to go to God's word to be able to know how to work the way God wanted them to work. A lot of people don't know how to walk the way God wants them to walk because they're not in the word of God. That's why they were given Ezra to preach it and teach it into them. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The Word of God is what God wants you to know. It comes from Him. Oh, man wrote that. No, they didn't. God told men what to write. It comes from God. Given by the inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You can't walk right unless you have instruction. Instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Studying God's Word is to complete you, to complete you for good work, which means if you don't study God's Word, you're not complete. Then you can't do the work God called you to do. Then you're going to be in trouble. In fact, those that refuse to read God's Word, they are refusing to do the work that God called them to do, because you can't do it. I had this argument uh, with somebody that didn't agree. You don't have to read God's Word. You don't have to read God's Word at all. You can just say you love God, and you can love God just fine. And they argued, and they they wouldn't have it. Well, it was funny. They were working at a restaurant, and I hired some young girl, and they trained her on what they expected her to do, and she wouldn't do it. And she, oh, they were so upset. Oh, this girl, she doesn't do the way we told her to do it. She's messing everything up. I said, oh, well, she doesn't have to hear that. She can just do whatever she thinks. And she's like, okay, Ray, Okay. I hear you. (laughs) I caught her. I don't have to do what God says, but by God, that employee has to make hamburgers the way we tell them to. Why are we exempt? We're not. We got training. We got to do too. Those with problems in their life, a lot of people have problems. A lot of, you know what, I can recognize in a lot of people that a lot of their trouble could be avoided if they would just do what God says in His Word. You realize that? Oh, they come into me, they call me all the time, and, oh, Ray, oh, would you pray for me? Oh, pray for me. I got this going on, I that all going on. And I'm like, do you read God's Word? No, I had not had time. Do you know what God expects you to do? No, but I got all this trouble It's in the way. Oh. He said, you are your own problem. You need to study the Word of God. I said, I I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want to waste your time. Read God's Word. Why don't have time? Well, then have a good time then. I don't know what to tell you. They have trouble and they won't read God's Word. Do the math. They perpetuate their own trouble. And probably the best part of this whole chapter is how God called the Israelites to him But the problem is that the Israelites, when he called them, they were in bondage. They had no way to buy their way out. Remember, the king said, pay it from our treasury. They're like, okay, you called us back, but we we can't even afford it. We can't get there. We have no way to pay for our return, no way to afford what you have called us to do. But God knew they had nothing to pay with. And so he paid it all through the wealth of a king that could afford it. Did you see that? He said, pay it with all the royal treasuries, the king's royal treasuries. Put yourself in the place of of the Israelites. You want us to do what? You want us to come to you? I can't. I can't afford to pay it. And God said, I know you can't. But I got a king that can. He can afford every bit of it. Friends, God has called all of us to his, himself, but as sinners, we all fell into bondage. We had no way to buy our way out of it. No way to pay for our return back to God and no way to pay for our rebuilding back up. But God knows that you don't have anything to pay with. He already knows that. And that's why he paid for it all through the wealth of King Jesus who could. Ephesians 1, seven, in him who is Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, not ours, through his, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, not yours. You don't have any. You and I are spiritually bankrupt. We have no currency whatsoever to buy our way out or do anything good. God has to pay it all from his treasury through his king. That's your salvation in that. So Ezra didn't take any credit for getting the people out of Persia. He never said, well, I wrote the letters to the king. I organized it all. I'm the one with the guts to stand up and ask. I filled out all the uh, the, the files and the administrative work. I, no, Ezra didn't do that. He, did, he didn't take any credit. He did not brag on himself. He never once tried to allocate any glory to himself for leading this. Who did Ezra give credit to? Ezra gave all glory to God for this. All of it. Because he knew this was the Lord's doing. Psalm 115.1 Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us. But to your name. Give glory. Because of your mercy. Because of your truth. Friends, We can't do a thing. We blew it. This is all God's glory. Your salvation, your walk with him, him calling you to any calling at all. Don't start getting big about yourself. There is a tremendous temptation for any pastor with a room full of people that I love seeing. In his own building. With a radio show that goes around the world. Oh, look what I've done. Huge temptation. There's also a temptation to look at new pastors that have none of this, for the pastor with this to walk a little taller. Well, one day you'll get where I am. I'm just dramatizing the temptation, but I'm scared to do it. Because if I do it, God could take it away, or he could take me out of it. I don't want to go near that. Friends, whatever God has called you to do in your walk with Him, don't start walking like you're something else. You say this, not unto us, O Lord God, not unto us, but to your name, give glory. Isn't that good? God's not out to get you. He's out to restore you with amazing restoration.